Welcome to the Take Back Your Territory podcast. My name is Lindsay Wenland. These podcast episodes are not just about education, but also transformation. With a biblical perspective, you will learn how to reclaim your life over the power of food and step into a victorious way of living your life to glorify God. As a master coach in holistic health, I'm not just here to talk about the body or the spirit, but coach you as the whole person that you are, spirit, soul, mind, and body. For more information about the Food Freedom book and coaching program, head over to TakeBackYourTerritory.com and follow on social media at TakeBackYourTerritory. Now, let's get started. Welcome to episode 86 of the Take Back Your Territory podcast. Today, we are talking about food freedom and obedience. Obedience. (laughs) Where does that word hit you? Does it hit you in the gut? Does it hit you in the chest? Does it make you take a long inhale and a long exhale? Does the word obedience stir up feelings of legalism and perfectionism? Or are you able to behold a sense of grace, purpose, and intentionality. When I first came to Christ 15 years ago and I started walking with the Lord, everyone was talking about their life verses. And they were quoting Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who, who strengthens me. And Jeremiah 29.11, talking about welfare and plans and purposes. And I was taken aback by the first scripture that jumped out the page at me that the Holy Spirit begged me to claim as my own, begged me to dive deeper into, to investigate, to get curious about, and to seek Him in. That scripture was in Luke 9. I started at 23. And I'm doing this from memory, so I hope I get it right. (laughs) Um, If anyone would come after me, He must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For those who wish to lose their life for my sake shall find it. And those who wish to lose their life, or no, save their life, will end up losing their lives. I wrestled with this scripture. What does it look like to deny yourself? What does it look like to take up your cross And what does it look like to do these things every single day? And 15 years later, looking back, I can say that that is still my scripture. There are other ones like Philippians 1, 6. He who began a good work in you will see it through to completion at the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. I have commandeered Psalm 139 is my own. The same with Psalm 16 and 56 and 34, Isaiah 41, Isaiah 61. I have many, many scriptures that I call my own. But this one, this one of denying myself, taking up my cross, 
and following him, it speaks of losing my rights to myself. It speaks of a death, because if you are carrying a cross, you are carrying it to your death. And the world looks at a cross and it can see shame and humiliation. And while you're carrying this cross, what, what will come? Well, rocks and stones can be thrown at you, persecution. Um, a lot of things can, can come when someone is carrying a cross. But what most certainly comes is a death. I've spent years investigating the scripture, and every time it comes up in a sermon, or I see it, um, you know, just randomly on a scroll of Instagram or Facebook, there's always a twinge in my gut and in my heart. And there's a question, am I doing that today? Am I denying myself? Am I taking up my cross? And what this scripture meant 15 years ago, certainly, you know, truth is truth. And as I rifled through my own food freedom and, and tried to, in my own strength, get free from emotional eating and binge eating, in a spirit of denying myself, in a spirit of doing things on my own, and thinking that I have to find the answer. I don't think that's what God meant. <laughs> there are pleasures in life that he asks us not to partake in. And it's often that he asks us not to partake in these things for our own good. There is pain in our life that the Lord leads us to, to lay down at his feet for us to drop, for us to no longer carry. Jesus says in Matthew 11, to come unto me, to come to me, to go to him, and to remove these yokes that the world and people and even ourselves have put on and around our necks. But we are not to be yoked to these things. We are not to be carrying these things or burdened by these things. We are only supposed to be following the Lord and doing things the way that he does them, speaking the way that he speaks, thinking the way that he thinks, loving the way that he loves. He modeled that to us when he said, I only say the things that I've heard my father say. I'm only doing the things that I've already seen my father do. Jesus modeled his life after his father, after his father's character, and after what his father said and what his father does. And we are to do the same as we follow Christ. But it isn't in a spirit of legalism or perfectionism or a law. Because the commandment that Jesus gave, other than go and baptize and, and cleanse and heal and deliver, he gave us the commandment to love God and to love people as ourselves. And if we live in a spirit of obedience, of, of humble obedience to the Lord, 
Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey me. If you love me, you will obey me. So think about this word, if. In Luke 9, it says, if anyone will come after me, he must. And Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey me. The question is in the if. This goes back to our free will. This goes back to the Garden of Eden, where we were created in the likeness and the image of God with free will, ruling and reigning and having dominion over every creeping thing, everything on this planet, being made in his image with the spiritual realm, especially the the demonic, under our feet. But the question will always go back to if. The question will always go back to a choice. And every single day, we get to choose if we will follow. Every single day, we get to choose if we will love. Every single day, we get to deny ourselves and take up our cross. We get to flesh out and work out these callings and these purposes and these intentionalities that the Lord has for us. We get to choose if we're going to follow or if we're going to go our own way. And yes, when we choose to follow, persecution will come. The world will hate us because it has hated him. But we count the cost. We count the cost. You know, even even writing this book, and recording these podcasts and putting myself out there, I have counted the cost all along the way. And the cost could be my reputation. The cost could be people speaking evil against me. The cost could be me making a fool of myself. The cost could be somebody calling me a false teacher and a false prophet. The cost could be someone (laughs) mocking me, making a public spectacle of me and my words. But the cost of not being obedient to the Lord is so much greater than anything that the world will come at me with. The cost of, of, of coming against the calling that I have on my life, coming against the purpose that the Lord set me free in, that cost is so much greater. Because the Lord doesn't do things willy-nilly. Everything that happens in our lives. I'm not saying that he orchestrates everything or that he causes sickness and disease. He absolutely does not. That is not in our Lord's heart. But he will turn things. He will allow things to teach us. He will allow us to grow stronger. And every single day that I walk this life out, I've seen that that something that happened four or five years ago, six years ago, molded me into a person that is able to stand here today. Every single trial that I've been through, every single trial that you've been through, has brought you here to today. And you can let those things define you. You can let them bring you down. They can, you can let them uh, keep you stuck and in bondage. Or you can let them be lessons 
and allow the Lord to work in them and release you from the trauma and the trial and the pain that it may have caused you. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, Christ has overcome this world. The biggest lie that we believe as Christians is that everything is supposed to now be easy breezy, that somehow God owes us something. Sorry, his son, his son died on a cross. He took up sin. What makes me think that my life, if I'm going to suffer with Christ, what does Paul say? I, I believe it's in Philippians, but I'm not 100% sure. That it, to know him, to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and to share in his sufferings, to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. If you have not gotten comfortable being uncomfortable and being stretched and, and having to check yourself in a place of, I love God, therefore I will be obedient and I will give up my rights to myself humbly to be obedient, to walk in the purpose and the calling that God has for my life. If, if that's not where you're at, that's fine. But ask yourself why. Why am I not ready to be stretched and molded and shaped and put on purpose? Because there is a reason that you're alive. There is a reason that you have life. There is a reason that you are a believer. There is a reason that you are a follower. It isn't just for salvation. It is for salvation, but it isn't just for salvation. Because not only do we get saved for ourselves, but we, it happens so that other people around us will also be saved. It isn't just for us. The gospel is for you, but it is not about you. And we need to stop making things about ourselves. I read my utmost for his highest every day. It's the devotional that I go back to over and over and over again. I've had this one book since 2014 and 90% of the time what is written on these pages is what I need in the moment. And Oswald Chambers was a pastor. He was a professor at, at a Christian college. He, he was a speaker and a writer and his wife actually wrote most of this based on his sermons. Um, and his teachings that he did at a school. And he was always focused on the redemptive work of Christ. He was always focused on redemption. What has been bought back? What has been reclaimed? And so often here in Food Freedom, I'm trying to get you to realize that this thing that you have, this bondage, this addiction, this, this chaos, this confusion, this, this, this thing that is not obedient to Christ is being redeemed as long as you are turning it over to the Lord for him to redeem it. If you are continuing to control and to claim it for yourself, for you to work out 
on your own, separate from him. That is counterfeit. Weeks ago, I believe it was in week two of the group coaching, this word counterfeit freedom came to me and I went for a run and, and I asked the Lord, okay, what, what is counterfeit here? Because I need to grasp this, this thing of what counterfeit freedom is. Because now that I know that it's real and now that I know that it's a thing, help me identify it, Lord. Help me identify it in my life and help me help other people identify it in their lives. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, counterfeit freedom is anything that is independent from God. So if you are taking your own quote-unquote food freedom and you are thinking that even in a spirit of obedience, that it is something that you must control, that you must take care of, and it is separate from falling on your face in front of the Lord, fast stop. Please come to the end of yourself. Do it quickly. (laughs) Because there is so much more that we can find in the face of God in the hands of Christ, at his feet, and and in the power of the Holy Spirit, in our own bondage. We need to stop making our own coverings from fig leaves and the, the trees around us. And we need to allow the Lord to recover us. And what happened in that recovering back in the garden after Adam and Eve sewed those fig leaves together? A death happened. God made a covering from skins, which means something had to die in order for them to be covered by its skin. A death must happen. If you are carrying your cross and following him, if you've so chosen, a death must happen. You must give up the way you think and your rights and, and, and everything. Things are so much better on the other side of surrender. Obedience is not sexy. Neither is self-discipline. Neither is self-control. None of these things gratify or glorify the flesh. They glorify God. They glorify the, the inner work that he's doing inside of you. So be content in, in continuing to take off these mindsets, allowing the Holy Spirit to renew you in the spirit of your mind. As you're, you're putting things back where they belong, you're putting things back in the grave, and you, and you declare, this is not me. I no longer eat this way. I no longer feel this way. I no longer think this way. My, my thoughts are changing. I no longer go to food in the heat of emotions. I sit in the resistance and I feel it. I allow the churning to happen within me. I allow the lies to come forth. And then I take them captive and I line them up to the obedience of Christ. And I throw out what is not obedient. Folks, obedience 
is in every single morsel of who you are, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and physically. And it is how we take back our territory from food and how we take back our territory and wellness as a whole. I'm going to read this from Oswald Chambers before I end here. God is getting us into fellowship with himself. Let him have his way. If you do not, instead of being of the slightest use to God in his redemptive work in the world, you will be a hindrance and a clog. The first thing God does with us is to get us based on the rugged reality until we do not care what becomes of us individually as long as he gets his way for the purpose of his redemption. Another passage from Oswald. Our Lord never insists upon obedience. He tells us very and emphatically what we ought to do, but he never takes means to make us do it. We have to obey him out of a oneness of spirit. This is why whenever our Lord talked about discipleship, he prefaced it with an if. If you do not need to, unless you like, if any man will be my disciple, let him deny himself. Let him give up his right to himself to me. Our Lord is not talking of eternal positions, but of being of value to himself in this order of things. This is why he sounds so stern. And um, that's in Luke 14, where he's talking about what it actually looks like to be a disciple. I've been um, confused lately with the things that are going on in our country, where we talk about rights and we talk about what's mine and we talk about not... I just I have this thing with rights. And you're talking, you're listening to a girl whose whose family is deeply rooted in American history. I believe my eleventh great grandfather was the governor of the Mayflower, William Bradford III, and all every single generation of my family have fought in wars, and have been a part of revolutions, and patriotism runs in my veins. But I am a disciple first. I am God first and God only. And so I've been wrestling with rights and what it actually means. And and, and my knowledge of Jesus, when he came here, he gave up his rights. Fully man, fully God. He gave up his rights. He didn't call down angels. He didn't. Because of his obedience to the Lord, out of the love of of the Father. And so when I first walked with Christ, when I first came here and he said, give up your rights to yourself. And do it in a, in a space of love and obedience for me. Because what I have for you is so much greater than your rights. It makes me think differently 
it makes me think differently. And so I don't talk about things publicly. I don't post things on social media. Because my perspective is that I've given up my rights to a good God. That if he calls me to go, I will go. If he says, who will I send? I will say, pick me. If he tells me not to pray for a person, I won't. Because if I did, I could have been doing it in a spirit of pride. If he tells me to pray for a person that I don't want to pray for, (laughs) I have to come up into obedience because of my love and do what he says. And 99% of the time, what he calls us to do in a spirit of obedience and humility and love, it is for our good and it is also for the good of our neighbor. I was in um, about three and a half years of obscurity where I was following the Lord and reading his word and and getting to know him and his character and and listening to the Holy Spirit and and amazing things were happening in my life personally, Um, along with some incredibly difficult things in my marriage and with the health of my child and in my extended family and financially and my own health and my own wellness and just... As I was growing in the Lord, everything else around me was falling apart. I lost all my friendships in church, and persecution was at the forefront of every single day. I would have a panic attack every time I got a text message for fear that it was someone else coming against me, someone else speaking evil against me. In these three and a half years, I prayed to be released from a church and released from a a place that I lived. And every week, it was a no, not yet. And what I had learned in those three and a half years of obscurity and hardship, and, and of course, among other things, But it brought me to a place of knowing that I'm trustworthy, of knowing that I'm faithful, of of people understanding that I'm a safe person because I know not to gossip or slander. I know not to open my mouth because I know the repercussions. It has brought me to a place of knowing the difference between evil and good, discernment of spirits, and and being able to to flesh out um, what I feel physically against what the Lord says and to choose what God says versus my feelings. And this is an obscure going around the mountain talk about it. If we allow the hardest parts of our lives to be our teacher, we will learn things that will bring us into the next season of our life and allow us to take back the territory that may have been stolen or may have been lost or may have been taken from us during a certain amount of time. 
But when we're ready to take that territory back, we will have the knowledge, the understanding, the wisdom, and the spiritual empowerment by the Holy Spirit to keep that territory, to keep it, and to not allow anything else to subtract, to not allow anything else. Like, nothing's going to take my peace. Nothing's going to take my joy. Nothing's going to take my righteousness. Nothing's going to take my trustworthiness. Nothing's going to take the fruit of the Spirit that has been planted, grown, and is in fruit in me. Nothing. Not persecution, not word of man, not destruction, not chaos, not to, not whatever is going on in the world around me. My circumstances no longer dictate who I am and how I will operate while I'm in this world. Guys, we have so much ground to cover. We have so much territory within ourselves to take back. But once you do that, then you get to go. Then you get to go out and you get to help other people take back their territories. Other people take back their mindsets and their emotions and their spiritual walk with the Lord and, and helping themselves walk in health and freedom physically. You get to unabashedly pray for them in the middle of a grocery store. What I was going to tell you before in my season of obscurity... <laughs> was one of the weirdest things that the Lord asked me was to pick up garbage and to put away carts. People evidently get fast food and they throw it out the side of their window. And as I drove from, from my house into town or to the store wherever, oftentimes the Lord would say, do you see that? Pick that up. garbage cans on my road. Um, I lived out in the country at the time and the wind would knock garbage cans over. And I remember the day after Christmas, this older older gentleman's garbage can was, was tipped over and everything was blown everywhere. And this was in Minnesota, so it's like, you know, less than zero degrees and, and very windy and very cold and just bitter where if you don't have three pairs of gloves on, you know, you could, your hands are going to freeze. And all he spoke to me was, to the, least, to the least of these, to the least of these, to the least of these. Be obedient to the least of these. If we prove ourselves faithful in the little, we will be able to prove ourselves faithful with much. We will be given much if we can prove that we will be faithful in the little. So Lord, give me more little. Give us more little. Let me prove myself in the little. Even if that little is just my next meal or just my next opportunity to pray or just my next opportunity to not be led by my emotions, but to come in and, and to take those thoughts captive, let me be found faithful and trustworthy in the little. That's why when we talk about stewardship and, and surrendering these things back to the Lord, this is about being faithful in the little. This is about stewarding the temple of the Holy Spirit and surrendering right back to the Lord And that says, not my way, but yours. Not my choice, but yours. Not my right, but your 
anointing. Your strength, your empowerment, your word. All right. Thank you for joining me today. Um, At the end of all of this, part of food freedom and, 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 and who I am, I am a disciple maker. And a lot of this has been a discipleship program. <laughs> but it's because I've learned that I can't do this without the Lord. And He's had to teach me. He's had to, I've had to learn and I've had to be a student. I've had to be a disciple of what freedom actually is. And we cannot have freedom without obedience. We will be obedient and we will come under the guise of something else and then we will be in bondage. We will be in a counterfeit freedom if it is independent from God. So keep continuing to throw these things off. Throw off the weight and the sin that so easily entangles. Run with endurance the race set before you, fixing your eyes on Christ, the author and perfecter of your faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. This is what we're here for. We have counted the cost. We've weighed the options, and we're still choosing to do it his way. So let us show up and be faithful in the little, and keep moving forward. <laughs>